Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. I have the privilege this morning of concluding the series Grace Under Pressure. It's been an amazing series. It's really spoken to me uh, and I hear from many of you the same thing. If you've missed one or two of the messages, they are all on our YouTube channel and I really recommend that you have a look at them. But as I prepared to wrap the series up today, the word perspective kept coming to me. Now, if you look at the screen and see, well, Graham, the topic is the bigger picture. Well, duh. And that's true. I mean, perspective is something you would expect to think about on the bigger picture. But when I checked my notes through the series, I discovered that our senior pastor, Nick, when he launched the series, one of the very first things he said was, Joseph gains a perspective he didn't have. Perspective is really important. You may have heard the story of a a, a flagship in a pea soup fog that sees a light flickering in the distance and the admiral on the flagship says, signal that ship, change course. Straight away it comes back, change course yourself. The admiral's a little taken aback. He says, "Um, signal that course, signal that uh, ship, change course now. Change course yourself. He says, I'm the admiral on the flagship. Change course now or face the consequences. And immediately back comes, I'm on the lighthouse. Change course yourself or face the consequences. (laughs) See, perspective is everything. It changes it all. In fact, have a look at this picture. If you see that, those rocks look really prominent. And they are. They're beautiful. And they look really, really important. But what happens if you can take the longer view. What if we could zoom out on that and, uh, and be able to see the bigger picture? All of, they're still there and they're still beautiful. But with a river and a valley and mountains, snow-capped mountains and fir trees, not quite as important as they were, are they? Jacob being favoured by his father, having the coat and having those dreams, that seemed such a big deal to his brothers that they were prepared to murder him and then backed off to selling him as a slave. But by the end of the journey, it really looked very different. Those things didn't matter quite as much. You see, the problem is we live in close-up. We only get the bigger picture if somehow we can move back or move up or move out. You see that in this next picture. On the left... It just looks like a crazy, random series of different coloured dots. But if you can come far enough back, zoom out far enough, there's a beautiful stand of trees at sunset. Joseph's life was like the left there, wasn't it? Just a random series of things hitting him, seemingly unrelated and seemingly often to contradict what he'd been told as a young man. And what a roller coaster ride of a life we've traced over recent weeks. Hi, I'm, I'm Dad's favourite, I've got a lovely coat and I've had great dreams. Lo, I'm sold as a slave and the Midianite slave traders have taken me off. Hi, Potiphar has promoted me in his house. Lo, Potiphar's wife has lied about me and I'm in prison for something I didn't do. And a cupbearer promised he'd remember me to Pharaoh and forgot to. Hi, I'm the governor of Egypt. This... How does Joseph find the bigger picture? How does he know 
the bigger picture? Well, we'll find out. Our reading is that right at the end of that roller coaster ride. We're reading from Genesis 50. So if you can follow in your uh, printed scriptures or your electronic scriptures, which I must say I use most, well, I mostly read the screens on Sunday, so I invite you to do the same. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, oh, this is Genesis 50, starting at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is called insurance. (laughs) This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Great story, great reading. And the first point to come out of it for me is there is a bigger picture. Jonathan reminded us a couple of weeks back that throughout Joseph's story, the main character is God. Time and again, we read this little phrase, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. God's purposes do prevail and his promises are fulfilled. God's picture actually emerges in a very beautiful way, quite a miraculous way. And it's captured in the key verse in our reading, which also happens to be the key verse for Joseph's life and the key verse for the Grace Under Pressure series. And most of you will have guessed it already, I'm sure. It's verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God restores and he recreates, he redeems, and he does it so we can bless others. He can pour his love through us. Paul puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, as I prayed at the outset, we are in Christ. If anyone is, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here and all this is from God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Well, some of you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I I sincerely believe that. I think it is wonderful, but it's not my lived experience right now. My lived experience seems to contradict that completely. Well, I asked Becca to find a picture of a rose, and this is for the gardeners in the room, because his high points, Joseph's high points, smelled of roses, no doubt. If he had emojis, he no doubt would have chosen a rose emoji when he SMSed his friends and said, good news, governor of Egypt. But when he was in prison for something he didn't do, when he was sold as a slave, I don't think he would have chosen the rose. I think I know the emoji he would have chosen, that little brown one. (laughs) I've seen it, (laughs) never sent it to anybody, but there have been times when I've thought, that's very apt. Because the lower times of David's life were manure. There's no doubt. They were not roses. They were manure. But see, for the gardeners in the room, the glory of God is that he takes the manure in our lives and turns it into fertiliser to grow beautiful roses, to turn it into beauty 
See, God takes all that is broken in us and all that has been broken by us and transforms it to reflect his glory and bless others. He takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good. The, the message translation captures this. The message it says, you planned evil against me, but God used, excuse me, God used those same plans for my good. You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. Jonathan pointed out that Potiphar's wife was a carefully crafted temptation designed to frustrate God's purpose. But God used even that to fulfill his purpose and shape and bless Joseph. Sue told us that he weaves his salvation story throughout Joseph's life. But look at the threads he uses. He uses the foolishness and arrogance of a young boy, the deep-rooted dysfunction of a family, the jealousy, hatred and murderous intent of siblings, the human trafficking of Midianite merchants and a cupbearer who couldn't keep his word. But out of it, he weaves the scene that we've just read. Out of it, he weaves a blessed, competent, dependent on God man or woman. See, in, your, in close up, in the thick of it, it's very hard to see the bigger picture. In fact, in, it, when we're in close up and stuff is hitting us, two questions come to the front of the brain. When God and why God? Or am I the only one? When God, why God? When God, well, the bigger picture will emerge, but it emerges in God's time. <laughs> I wish it wasn't like that. I'm digital. I'm from an old bloke. I've got Apple Watch and I've got my Apple phone and I pay by my phone. All the, yeah, all the young shop, shop, shop assistants. Uh, absolutely stunned that I do that. <laughs> Can't say to them, I'm older, I'm not dead. I'm digital. Sadly, God is not. God grows trees. I grow mushrooms and they snap off at the base. They grow very quickly. God grows trees. Nick reminded us on the very first week that this whole thing for Joseph is something that was promised way before his father was born. It was promised to Abraham. Genesis 15, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. What's happening in your life, God knows about and he does have a bigger picture. But it comes in his time. The brothers, bow in their reading today, they couldn't bow down any further. They fling themselves on the floor. We are your slaves. So it came true. But after 13 years of slavery... My brother-in-law has a saying because he felt at one point in his journey he felt like God had promised him something that would happen uh, at not very long. It would not be very long. And on one page of his journal he tells me he's written, Lord, your idea of not very long and mine are very different. <laughs> when Lauren Daigle's album was as successful as it was for our boys, uh, Paul and Brett, in the United States and the team that worked on it, that was actually the fulfilment of a vision that began in this church 29 years before with them and Simon and other young people, young adults in our church. And Paul said to me, actually, Dad, it only takes 29 years of paying your dues and hard work to be an overnight success. <laughs> God's purposes are fulfilled in God's time, not ours. So often God's answer to when 
is wait. Wait on me. And Nick reminded us, waiting on God is not passive. Waiting on God is depending on him and obeying him until things change in his time. And it's when we do that that we renew our strength. That's when that happens. What about the question, why God? Why God? Well, Simon mentioned the amazing grace when he spoke to us in this series and yet that line, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." I want to remind you of another line in Amazing Grace. "'Through many dangers, toils and snares we have already come. "'Twas grace that brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home.'" But God's purpose, the big picture, emerges through many dangers, toils and snares. We've used the image of the winepress for the Grace Under Pressure series. And in suggesting this to us, thanks, Dave, I think Kelly absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. How many of you feel like you just the, the handle's being turned and you're almost saying, Lord, I've had enough character development for now. Thank you very much. See, Dave, Joseph, we know, lived in the presence of God. But listen to this in Isaiah 57. The high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is Holy, says... I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. That word contrite in the Hebrew is dakar, and it actually means crushed, broken to pieces. I used to think, oh, contrite, Lord, like David, give me a contrite heart. Boom. Where'd that come from? Well, you asked for a contrite heart. It's part of that process. Give me a heart that is broken. And if you're right in that situation right now, I believe the Lord wants you to know that that's so. Yes, you're being reminded that you're a broken jar of clay. But it's only so that you and others will know that this all-surpassing power that lives in you is from him and not us as they see you sustained where they couldn't be, loving who they couldn't love, speaking when you need to, being silent when you need to. It's why the trials come, but they come to strengthen us. Now, what is it? Through, uh, the, uh, uh, through it all, the Andre Crouch song, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Let the trials come, they'll only make me strong. I've never been able to actually ask for trials, but the scripture teaches what their purpose is. Joseph's actions showed that he had a contrite heart, but we're not told how. frustrates me in the story of Joseph. We can see the fruit of what's gone on, but we're not told what happened between him and God. Fortunately, in this aspect of the why God question, we can look at his brothers, because not only was Joseph transformed, his entire family was. And Simon reminded us that the brothers say, we saw how distressed he was when, we, when he pleaded with us for his life and we wouldn't listen. Their hearts sank and they turned to each other trembling and said, what is this God has done to us? The wine press brings us to where we can stop playing the victim. We can see what our sin has caught, the pain that it's caused. They saw the pain that it caused Jacob and their younger brother. We can stop playing the victim. We can stop rationalising, minimising, denying, deflecting, what Luther called defending sin. And we can come to where we see that grace is free, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus. It cost him a price we cannot imagine. 
And if we do come to that point and see that, what happens? What happens if this morning in this room you say, Lord, I just own it and I come before you. I'm responsible. Against you only have I sinned. What happens? What happened to the brothers? The brothers encounter the heart of God, Simon told us, in their brother Joseph. Thanks, Dave. The brothers encounter that. He says, come close to me. In their terror, he just says, come. And that is exactly what the Father is saying to you this morning. Come close to me. Come close to me. And in our reading today, don't be afraid. This is from the Amplified. I'll provide for you and support you and your little ones. So he comforted them, giving encouragement and hope and spoke with kindness to their hearts, to the ones who sold him as a slave. And the Father and his Son Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, say to us, yes, you were enemies, you made no room for me. Yes, you've done things that you wish you hadn't and left undone things you wish you had. Come close to me. Come close to me. Let me love and transform you. As Brennan Manning put it, when we enter the presence of Jesus, we need not lower our eyes. And as we glance up, we're astonished to find that the eyes of Jesus are wide open with wonder, deep with understanding, and gentle with compassion. That's the Jesus we worship. And when you truly, you notice our second chorus, our songs today have just dovetailed in with this message so wonderfully, we didn't compare notes. As we really understand the cross, as we truly come to understand the cross and see what it cost him, we will worship. When Merle was a six-year-old girl, she saw the cross and said, I can never walk away from that love. And then just started finding out what every, in those days everybody was something. So she'd say to her friends, what are you? Ah, oh, we're Church of Christ. So she'd go to their parents and say, can I, at this ripe old age of eight or nine, can I take, your, can I take my friend to the Church of Christ Sunday school? Ninety times out of a hundred, the parents say, oh, yeah, sure, off you go. As a little girl, she grasped the cross. And I can tell you, having lived with her for so 50 years, she's grasped the cross. When you see the cross, you worship. The worship leaders won't have to encourage you. When you don't just see two pieces of wood in a symbolic shape, but what actually happened on the cross. You see, when the brothers come in and Joseph says, I'll care for you, they're receiving mercy and love they don't deserve and they can't earn. They're, rece they're receiving something that, that, they, that they have no claim to. You know, in my gut level prayer, I thought God would treat me the way I would treat me. My gut level prayer of surrender many years ago was, God, I don't know if you want me or you don't, but if you do, you can have my life. Just being honest, I didn't realise God doesn't treat me the way I treat others. There's just over 30,000, 31,000 verses in the Bible, 66 books. God laid Psalm 130 on my heart and Michael, and we didn't talk about it, opened our call to worship with Psalm 130. I think he wants you to hear this this morning. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? I discovered the God who keeps no account of wrongs done. Once we understand the cost, not minimise, it cost me everything for you. 
keeps no account. Lord, if, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. We serve not out of duty, not in order to try to be lovable, but because we fully comprehend we are loved. Somehow this had, had happened. I mean, some, some other words come back to me. Let me share them with you. When you really get hold of these words, my sin, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. I bear it no more. If this was your sin and this is you and this is Jesus, your sin was placed on him. What's left on you? When you see that, you worship. You worship here and you worship by how you share his love when we leave here. That's the sin that's done by us, I guess. But what about what's done to us? What about Joseph's imprisonment because he didn't sin? What happens then? Obviously, Joseph was able to hang on to the big picture because when his brothers come in saying, Father said you've got to forgive us, he says, am I in the place of God? I am surrendered to the pattern of God for my life. I'm only here because of God. I'm not going to make judgments about what happens to you. We're all in the hands of God. Again, it doesn't tell us how he got there. It doesn't tell us what went on between him and God. Somehow he got hold of what you just said. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't hear it, you're working. You never stop working. Well, it doesn't tell us how it happened for him, but there is another person in Scripture who enjoyed the favour of God and then suffered terribly, having done nothing wrong. Many of you have guessed I'm talking about Job. And in Job's case, we get a ringside seat as to how you find the bigger picture when things are coming at you and it's not your fault. Job throws his pain at God with, with relentless honesty. And yes, so later he will say, I repent. But God doesn't condemn him for doing it. In fact, God condemns his friends with the pat theological answers and zero compassion. Their theology was great. Their compassion was absent and they annoyed God. Twice he says, you, I am angry with you because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So in expressing all his pain to God, God is saying, you're telling the truth, Job, I bless you. The other guys with the theological answers and the lack of understanding, I'm angry with them. You better pray for them or I'll deal with them. God doesn't speak in Job's case until all the friends have stopped and finally Job stops. He actually says, I'm done. And then Job speaks. Human wisdom is ended and the mystery still remains. And then God, it's almost like God has been holding Job in his everlasting arms while he gets all this stuff out. Like you do with an angry child. And now that Job is spent, but he's still in the father's arms, God can comfort him. And God starts asking Job questions now. But you've got to hear those questions in the way of a loving father holding a child that's been so upset and is exhausted. And God, I love God's first sentence in the contemporary English version. It says this in Job 38. Why do you talk so much when you know so little? <laughs> it's the theme verse for my life. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's always saying, Graham, why do you talk so much when you know so little? Shut up. Just listen. 
And then God says to him, Job, were you in eternity? Have, you've been to eternity and back, I understand. Uh, have, you, have, you, uh, have the gates of death been shown to you? Takes him into the constellations. He says, Job, I don't, I don't remember you being there when I created the universe. Can you bring forth the constellations? Can you do that? Can you bring forth the constellations? You know, we sing, as you speak, 100 billion galaxies are born. Well, the Space Hubble telescope imaged the sky for 10 years and it had looked at one thirty-two millionth of the observable universe. But nevertheless, the University of Nottingham took those images and a bunch of others and they said, no, it's not 100 billion, it's actually 10 times more. It's 2 trillion galaxies that we know of. Not suns or planet, galaxies. Two trillion Milky Ways. In fact, one of the astrophysicists said it boggles the mind that over 90% of the galaxies in the observable universe have yet to be studied. Didn't see you there, Job, when I did that. And he takes him into the depths of the ocean. What about the ocean, Job? Have you walked in the recesses of the deep? And the US Ocean Survey says more than 80% of the, of the oceans of the, the Earth are unmapped, unobserved, and, excuse me, unmapped, unobserved and unexplored. Question by question, he takes Job on a virtual tour of creation. But can you see that he's just zooming him back, back, back? Come and see it as I do, Job. He takes him through uh, cosmology. He takes him through meteorology. He takes him through zoology. But in all of it, he's doing what... The, and incidentally, do you notice the prophets? Some of you ladies are in Women in the Word. You've been doing Amos. Amos does this, uses the stars and the seas. Many of the prophets do because, thanks, Dave, creation reveals God. Paul put it this way. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. The mystery of his divine being. One of the reasons New Norcia is a favourite weekend for me every year is that the countryside is so stunning in spring. But we actually take time to actually see it. God will reveal himself to you in creation if you look. If you're charging through it, seeing how far you can go in how many seconds and is this your personal best, now, nothing wrong with that, but your personal best is snuff in the bigger picture. It is important that you look after your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it's vital that you see the God in his creation who loves you and gave himself for you. He reveals himself. Do you remember the words from J.I. Packer that Sue shared with us? It has been faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that has held me in the darkest valley and the hottest fires and the deepest waters. Put your trust in him, not in circumstances, dreams, and programs or plans. In him. Through this week, I've, I've sensed the Spirit's calling to make the first priority in my week regular time, just with my Bible and my Lord. There's a lot of other, I've got a heap of stuff on my phone, I amuse my wife greatly. But you know, it's, how, it's amazing how helpful this Bible is with understanding some of those commentaries. Go to the Word, just take your Bible and yourself and your Saviour. And go into that time 
to find out what's on his mind, not to learn more information, that's not wrong. But what's vital is to find out what, the Lord already knows what's on my mind, but what's on his? I've got a framed print in my office. It's about 60 years old uh, and it was done by a, way before computers, it was done by a Korean calligrapher and that is actually the Gospel of John. The words of the Gospel of John start at the top of that window and finish at the bottom right-hand corner. But what I love about it is that the Gospel of John reveals Jesus. And that's what we go to the Scripture for. We don't go to the Scripture for more, just for more information. We all who contemplate the Lord's glory are transformed. It says we see Jesus in his word, that we're transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, and this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You don't have to do it, and you can't do it, but the Spirit promises he will do it, whether you're aware of it or not, as you sit with him, as you make time for him. Richard Raw calls it a voluntary displacement for the purpose of transformation. I know it's a call of the Spirit to me and I desperately need it, but am I the only one in the room? I think not. See, my primary need is not more information. I'm drowning in information. I'm already educated way beyond my obedience. Educated way beyond my obedience. I need for what I, my information, to be taken by the Holy Spirit and made into transformation. And that Jesus changes me. There's a Bill and Gloria Gaither song, which is as old as me, but it really been put on my heart as, as I was preparing for today. Not for us to sing it, just for me to share the words with you. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of sin and shame. Remember what I said about our songs today? In the, in the earlier worship, we sang, we sang, sorry, my shame was my tomb. Neath a load of sin and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I'm no longer the same. He touched me. He touched me and oh, the joy that fills my heart. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. You could come into this building week after week and hear truth and it would almost inoculate you to change because you can start to think that what you've heard, you're doing. And the enemy will work very hard to make sure that transition doesn't happen. It tears his kingdom apart when it does. Has he touched you recently? Because he wants to. The bigger picture is in Jesus. You can't do it. Here's here's the start of the bigger picture. I can't do this. I can't. I can't get through this grief on my own. I can't work out this problem on my own. All the ministry leaders would say amen with me if I said we can't lead this church on our own. We have no idea. But thank God Jesus said I'll build my church. Don't mind you helping, but I'll do it. Fortunately, you weren't there when I created the world, but I'm happy to you. For some reason, we can't imagine he loves you. He wants to be with you. 
He wants to touch you. But is there any time in your week, any time each day where you just sit with him? It'll be different for everybody in the room. Maybe if you're an early riser, that's a disease for me, but if you're an early riser, like my wife, then he, he may... Don't try to set it up yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit. How shall I do this, Holy Spirit? At our retreats, it is never the same twice, but Jesus meets every single person who comes in some way. It's, it's, so what for you? Maybe if you are one of those early morning exercises and the river is stunning, take him with you. By all means, if you do a personal best, congratulations. But sometimes just do your personal worst so you can walk with Jesus. Do your personal best another time in the day, but take the time where you just walk through that beautiful creation with the one who created it and who says to you, come to me. See how I do it. Walk with me in the unforced rhythms of grace. If, you, if, you, if it's hitting you and you think this is not fair, this sucks, God, do you think you're doing a good job of running the world? How is this bringing glory to you? Stay in his arms. He won't mind that. Sue reminded us the lament psalms are like the anguished journals of people who are trying to hang on to their faith when their life experience seems to contradict it. But he will touch Last week, Simon talked to us about Corrie ten Boom and that amazing situation where one of the most cruel concentration camp guards, Corrie ten Boom, the hiding place, she and her sister and her father, family, taken off to the concentration camps of Nazi Germany because of uh, helping Jews, hiding Jews. And uh, her sister died and she's, uh, she's speaking, sees a, one of the cruelest guards in the concentration camp at this meeting and knows... She, she just senses. He, he's become a Christian and he says, I've, I, I know God has forgiven me, but I've been praying for the chance to ask somebody that I wronged to forgive me. And now you are here. And she knew at that moment that she had to forgive. You know, forgive us as we forgive others, we pray in the Lord's Prayer. She knew he was asking her to forgive and she knew she couldn't do it. Have a listen to this, especially her last words. Thanks, guys. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. forgive no I can't either but he can you see can you forgive no I can't either but he can <laughs>
Step into the ability of Jesus. That's what the cross, that's, that's what Joseph's story tells us. There is a bigger picture. It'll come in God's time. It'll come through many dangers, toils and snares. But the power's not from us. It'll come as we make time for him. Look at this amazing verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. As we sit with the scripture and the spirit and the saviour, the promises of God become lived reality for us through many dangers, toils and snares. But the one who has called us by his own glory and goodness, he is trustworthy. He is faithful and he will do it. Well, there we are. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Worship team, if you would come back. Thank you. As Derek's playing, he touched me. This whole series on Joseph is just so many more words until it changes our lives. And I want to give you just a couple of moments to say, Jesus, change my life. I can't do it. I can't forgive. I can't forget. I can't work this out. I can't put my life together. Please forgive me for my sin. Don't want to minimize it. Don't want to rationalize it. Don't want to deny it. I want to own it. But though I'm a lot worse than I thought I was, I see that your grace is greater than I dared to hope it would be. And will you commit, you may already be doing this and God bless you, I wish I were better at it. And I'm praying this today. This is not for you, this is for me. But will you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to make some time for Jesus every day and to make that the beginning of your diary before you pick up your phone for Facebook or friends? Maybe that's the first thing you'll do, but at some time in the day where the Holy Spirit shows you, I will make time for you. My eyes are shut as Nick's were a couple of weeks ago. Look, if it helps you, please keep your eyes closed because this is very private. But if, it, if you're actually saying, Lord, you've spoken to me through this series, but I want it to change my day-to-day -day living. Show me what I am to do, Lord. How do I make that time so daily I'm drawing on you? Just slip your hand up and put it down again. I won't know. I'm not looking. It's not, I don't need to know. Jesus knows. Can you forgive? No. Neither can I. But he can. Lord, you've seen your people's hearts as you always do. Pray you'll take these stumbling words of mine, but through them and through our worship with Mia and the team earlier, and Michael leading us from Psalm 130, you're clearly saying something to us. 
And you did say, my sheep will hear my voice. So as we respond to you now saying, yes, Lord, as you empower me, I bring you brokenness, but you give me something beautiful. I spent a lot of time in the manure, Lord, but you're gonna make it fertilizer and cause beautiful growth. You're gonna turn back on Satan, everything he tried to do. He'll be sorry he ever tried to deflect or deter me. He'll be sorry he ever condemned me because of how you use it to, to bless and heal me so I can bless others. Lord, that's our prayer. In your matchless name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.